So 1 Chronicles 29, we're going to read it and then uh, kind of uh, talk about what's leading up to it and then we'll get back to it uh, near the end and kind of wrap uh, wrap everything up. But I want to start, uh, kind of start where we're ending uh, tonight in 1 Chronicles 29, we'll be in verse 1. Uh, It says this, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of God uh, the gold for things made of gold, uh, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, and the iron for things of iron, Uh, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones of the and of divers' colors, and of all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even three thousand talents of gold of the gold of Ophir, Uh, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls with the houses withal. For the the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth. Lord, I thank you for helping us tonight, allowing us to come in and worship. And Lord, I pray that uh, uh, your word would be opened up in our hearts and minds tonight. Lord, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, draw us close to you. Challenge us, but Lord, help us to learn and give us the grace and strength to do what you've called us to do. And in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. So uh, this, we're talking tonight about David, uh, David wanting to build and preparing to build the house of God. Uh, and if you remember, if you know the story back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, King David, he was now the king of both Israel and Judah. Uh, they had moved the capital to Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, remember the Philistines stole it. They got it back when they didn't want it anymore. Uh, then it made its way to Obed-Edom's house because when they tried to move it their own way, uh, different ones died. Uh, so now it went from Obed-Edom's house. Uh, now it's to where it needs to be. Uh, and in 2 Samuel 7, 1, it says, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark dwelleth within curtains. So he, uh, David, uh, he had seen the Lord work miracles in his life. He had seen different things. He had seen the Lord protect him from wild animals. You know, the Paul, the bear and the Paul, the lion, he'd seen him, uh, uh, you know, bless him, uh, when he was a shepherd, then also bless him, uh, when he went up against Goliath to defeat him, uh, and, and, the different times he fought against the Philistines uh, and the Lord had kept him safe through all of that, kept him safe while he was on the run when King Saul wanted him dead. Uh, and now David's the king. Uh, he's at peace. He's dwelling in the palace. Things are good. But now he's feeling guilty. Now he's looking around and saying, now wait a second. Why am I in this palace that's filled with cedar and precious stones and, and gold and everything else when the, uh, the Lord's house, uh, the Lord, the ark of God, God dwelleth in curtains. 
So at that time, uh, uh, the tabernacles, what it was called, was constructed when God instructed Moses how to do it. So a long time, I think it was almost 400 years prior to that, and it's basically a tent. It was a tent that held uh, the furniture. Uh, it, it, what would later become the temple was just a portable tent. Uh, and in fact, the, the barrier around it was just really curtains. It was just hanging up there. And, and what would happen is you remember during that uh, time where they're wandering in the wilderness, God would have them to move. They'd pack that thing up. They'd walk over to the next place where God would want them. They'd unpack it. They'd set it up. And they kept moving that thing around. Uh, it was in Shiloh for a while, Bethel for a while, Nob for a while. Uh, and in different places like that, uh, they had moved it around. But now David's thinking, why, uh, why are we using this tent? Why are we, you know, God wants us to be here. Uh, we should build, I should build him a house, a real palace, a real uh, place for it to dwell in. And, you know, this seems like a good idea. You know, if you don't know the rest of the story, it seems like a great idea. This is good because many times uh, the opposite happens, right? We'll let God stay in the tent. We'll let God have the second, uh, you know, the leftovers and everything else. And we'll have the best for ourselves. But David had, I think, a good idea, a noble idea. Uh, it was something that, uh, you know, he wanted to bless the Lord with. Uh, but then it goes even further. Verse 3 of 2 Samuel 7. And Nathan said, to the king, go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And here's the problem. Nathan the prophet doesn't consult the Lord, doesn't pray about it, doesn't ask God, doesn't do anything like that. And he says to David the king, he says, well, that sounds great. Your idea is great. Go ahead and do it. You know, build a house for the Lord, for the Lord is with thee. I don't know if Nathan was getting all excited because he'd have a nice place to, you know, to be a priest in, to be a prophet in. I don't know, uh, uh, you know, if he thought that, but I, I could see something right there. And that little bit of the story is anytime we rush to do something, you know, even if it's something for the Lord, we rush to go out and do that. And sometimes we need to slow down and make sure uh, that it's what God wants us to do. Amen. Because you can get off in the wrong direction. It seemed right. You know, logically, it was a good idea. Logically, it seemed right. It would be a good thing for the Lord, uh, but it's not what the Lord wanted. Now, there's the other side of the coin because you could say, well, I don't want to go against the Lord, so I just won't do anything. And that you, we can't do that either, but it's got to be in the middle. So we're not going to read the rest of chapter seven, but the, uh, the Lord tells Nathan that night, he says, hey, David's not building this house for me. He is not building the temple. Uh, but then he promises uh, David that his son Solomon would build the house and that he would establish his throne forever. So from this point, I'll give you some of the bigger events in David life's, David's life so we can kind of uh, get ourselves oriented. But uh, so after this event is the adultery with Bathsheba. Absalom rebels against him. He has to flee from his throne. Then Absalom dies and then David returns to the throne. Uh, and then after that, David decides I'm going to number the people. So you remember that? Uh, if you remember that story, uh, it was a sin because it would have been something prideful. It would have been, I'm going to trust in the numbers uh, instead of trusting in the Lord. Uh, so he goes and numbers the people, even though they tell him that's not a good idea. And then God punishes him and he they uh, sends a plague. And if you remember that story, the plague is only stayed uh, when David purchases a threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And that spot that he purchased 
purchases that God tells them to purchase uh, with, uh, with the gold uh, is uh, the same spot that's called Mount Moriah. It's the same spot where the later the temple would be built. So, so we're getting started to pull these, some of these events together. Again, we're, we're looking at a wide swath of David's life, uh, but I think it'll help us come together. One more spot I want to look at, and that's 1 Chronicles 22. Uh, verse 2, David commanded to gather the strangers that were in the land of Israel, and he set masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the joinings, and brass in abundance without weight, and also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians. And they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. So David knew, he said, hey, I can't build the house myself. The Lord's not going to allow me to do that, you know, because of his sin uh, and because of the things he had done in battle. Uh, he, the Lord was not going to let him do it. And, you know, David could have sulked about it, right? He could have been frustrated. He could have been mad about it, uh, depressed about it. He could have given up. Uh, he could have just dwelled on the past and said, you know what? My past is hindering me from doing anything, from doing God's will uh, or he just accepts the Lord's will for his life. You know, the Lord said, uh, I, David wanted to do this thing. And the Lord said he couldn't do this thing. And instead of uh, all the million things he could have done, he said, you know what? I can't build the house, but I can make preparations for Solomon to build it. Right? I can get stone ready. I can get gold ready, iron, brass, all the other things. We can get things ready. So when it's time, Solomon will have a head start. And one of the things I noticed in that passage that we looked at is how many times you see the word abundance, right? He is getting an abundance of things. So he first, David was setting his affection on building the house for the Lord. Now he's setting his mind on preparing abundantly before he dies. And I was thinking about something. You know, I think I've heard a lot of people say it's just too late, right? It's too late in my life to do anything or any certain thing. Uh, you know, I've lost too much time. Uh, you know, I don't have the abilities anymore or something like that. But one of the things that I noticed is we, you can see already in David's life, even though he wasn't able to build it, even though it wasn't God's will for him, even though he's getting later in life, uh, one of the things is clear is he can help for the next generation, right? He can get things ready. So so that way his children, uh, his child as Solomon could help with the next steps. And I believe that uh, that is something we can look at ourselves. We can, I believe we can make preparations today that will help the next generation serve the Lord by faith. Amen. Maybe we're not, uh, well, actually we are thinking about building a literal building, uh, but not just uh, physical things, but spiritual things, right? Laying up things that will help them when they come along. Because I'll tell you what, people laid up things physically and spiritually for us so that way when we've gotten here it's been a help amen right we didn't have to build this church building this was here already we didn't have to do certain things it was already done and that allowed us to then to take over and make things easier you know a lot of people they just think about uh, the next generation and, and and inheritance and just prosperity in a worldly sense but David is thinking you know what I want I know uh, the Lord has given me 
what my will is and what my son's will is or what God's will is for my son as well. Since I know both of those, I'm going to help him and what God wants him to do. And that's a blessing, isn't it? For the, for the many things that we look at that David messed up in and the, the things that he didn't do right, we've got something that he does absolutely right. And in fact, further down, 1 Chronicles twenty two fourteen. if you want to get an idea of how much uh, they, that he had collected. Uh, the Bible says it. Uh, he's talking about gold and, and, and it mentions the, the measurement. But if we convert it to pounds, he had collected seven and a half million pounds of gold. And today, if you were to have that today and you were to trade it in, uh, that would be two hundred and fourteen billion dollars of gold. Twenty five point seven million pounds of silver. That's worth 26 billion. The iron, the brass, the timber, the stone was so much we don't even have weights in it. So I am thinking that it's probably uh, easily, plus the precious stones and everything else, uh, it's probably would have cost in today's money probably a trillion dollars to make this temple. No, uh, and it seems crazy, uh, but this is what uh, David was saying. Hey, we are going to, we're not just going to use the spare materials. We're going to use the best of the best for, for the house of God. Now we get to our passage here tonight. First Chronicles 29, 1 Chronicles 29.1 And now David, look, it says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation. So first, uh, first he's, uh, you know, he had his idea and Nathan uh, said, go for it until the Lord said no. And then later on, he's talking to Solomon and now he's talking to all the people. Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender and the work is great for the palace is not for man. And then he talks about all the things that he has prepared. But one of the things I noticed is that, you know, in, in 22, chapter 22, we see all the, remember what I just told you, how many uh, millions of pounds of gold and silver were collected. That was from, from the nation, like from the treasury uh, that he gathered together. But then further on in verse four of our passage, he says, out of my own gold, right? Uh, that's what he's saying, out of my own gold, verse three, verse four, he tells you how much, 3,000 talents of gold. That's 225,000 pounds that's six and a half billion dollars of gold from his own money and then 525,000 pounds of silver that's only 180 million dollars worth but you think about that and those numbers are staggering but then I was thinking again the politicians of today are not giving of themselves for anyone else they're taking and, and in fact, one of the, uh, I, I've said it before, I've, I've explained to people, you know, being in uh, money laundering in this uh, for quite a long time now, uh, and I've, I've seen different politicians at all levels, uh, you know, over the years, and I've seen them all be corrupt equally, uh, no matter what side of the aisle, no matter what uh, they say on TV, I've seen them all act corruptly, and uh, I've told people, I said, it's pretty easy. You can't come in and being a, maybe a millionaire when you come in and then leave on a hundredfold millionaire at a, about $150,000 a year salary. It doesn't work. Amen. That's easy. It's easy to figure that out. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out something happened in between. And what I find is funny is they keep bringing up the fact that maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll prevent the Congress people 
from trading on stocks. And they, are, they just keep voting that down and saying that's not a good idea. Oh, well, I wonder why. I wonder why, because they know what's going to happen ahead of time, so it's easy for them to make money or whatever. But anyway, that's, uh, that, uh, this is the politicians we see. But look at David. He's saying, not only have I collected of the national treasury, and we've taken, uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm sure that they had to cut back on different things, but David said, out of my own money, I'm giving as well. Because why? He said, the Lord's, it goes all the way back from the beginning. The Lord deserves a house to be in. And if I can't build it, I'm going to get it ready. He gave of his own money, not to further himself, but I believe he was going to be a leader, right? He was going to do what an actual leader should do and say, I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. And that's what he's showing right here. He's saying, hey, my son's going to need help. The house of the Lord building, it's going to be a huge job. We need everyone to participate. We need uh, people to give and everything else. And I thought, you know what? The Lord has jobs for us to do. The Lord has things for us to do. And I thought of Nehemiah. Remember what he told his enemies when they, they said, why don't you come off the wall and talk to us when they were rebuilding the wall? Nehemiah said in 6.3, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? And I think about the same thing. You know, there is a great work to do, right? There's a lot of things that need done. No, we're not rebuilding the temple right now, but I tell you what, we are doing work for the Lord. We're doing work for the kingdom. Uh, and uh, here's the thing. The devil wants us to quit so many different ways. He wants us to give it up. He wants us to trade the work for something else. To come off the wall. And I think we need to get the same mindset that Nehemiah had. This is a great work. Even though uh, you know, I look at, uh, this is a small church. We don't have many people tonight. But this is a great work, right? Uh, the things that God has called us to do in this little church. Uh, God has done it for a purpose. It's not... Uh, you know, the devil will get in your ear and say, well, who cares? There's just a handful tonight. You know what? It doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you it's a great work. Anything we do for the Lord is great. Why? Not because of the numbers or anything else. Because of the eternal. Uh, uh, the, the, it's an eternal work. That We do things out here in this world. And you may build things up and it falls down. You know, it gets torn down. It corrupts everything else. Or when you die, they, they fight over it afterward. But I'm here to tell you, things we do for the Lord are eternal. But David knew his son would need help. Verse 5. Gold for things of gold and silver for things of silver uh, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? David is challenging the people. Who's willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Who is willing to fulfill the Lord's will in your life? And see, this seems like a strange question to us tonight. Because generally the, uh, the Wednesday night crowd is the working crowd, the serving crowd. We're already doing what the Lord wants us to do. But here's the thing. He's asking the people that question. But here's the thing. He didn't ask that question way back in 2 Samuel 7, right? In the very beginning when he got shot down. He's asking it now. After he had given abundantly. After he had served, after he had pulled together everything to get ready for Solomon, now he's asking the people. Remember, I said a minute ago, you may be thinking, well, maybe it's too late, you know. It's too late to make the switch. Well, I'll tell you this. 
the, the dates of my chronological Bible, however accurate they are. Uh, uh, but here's what it tells me. It says he was 39 years old in 2 Samuel 7 when the Lord said, you're not going to be the one that will do it. 39. 49 years old when he committed the sin with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 12. Is it too late now? 59 years old when Absalom rebelled. And he's on the run in 2 Samuel 15. Is it too late now? 62 years old when Absalom died and he came back to the throne in chapter 18 of 2 Samuel. 64 years old when he fights the Philistines the last time in 2 Samuel 21. Is it too late? 65 years old when he numbers the people in 1 Chronicles 21. Is it too late at 65? Now I'll tell you, he only lives till 70. Is it too late? He doesn't start. First uh, Chronicles, First Chronicles 22, when he starts preparing, he is 67 years old. Remember, he's 39 when he got the idea in the beginning. He's 67 by the time he does it. He spends the last three years of his life doing this. And here's the thing. The devil wants you to think it's too late. And again, the devil would say, hey, it's too late after Bathsheba, after that whole mess. It's too late, right? God's not going to forgive you. God's not going to use you anymore. It's too late after his own son rebels and everything goes crazy. It's too late after he numbers the people and sins again at 65 years old when he does that. But aren't you glad at 67? He realizes, you know what? I got to get busy, not to make a name for myself, but to help my son because the work's hard. It's great, but it's a good work. And the Lord needs that house, but he doesn't need me. But I tell you what, I'm going to do what I can to help the next one. And then I thought about that. Who's willing to start getting things ready for the next generation to use for the Lord? Maybe a certain thing, maybe it is too late for you to be the builder, to do the certain thing, but it's never too late to help the next one. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day into the Lord? David challenged the people, but I believe that challenges to all of us as well. We've got a lot of young kids, right? It gets disruptive sometimes, but that's all right. That's fine. We'll keep going. But what are we building for them? See, we're building things for us. We're serving things for us, yes. But what are we doing for the Lord for them as well? To get it ready for them. Because it will not get any easier. Barring some huge, enormous, unseen revival, it's not going to get easier for Harper and some of these other ones to serve. Amen? It's not even going to be easier for Bob. I believe it'll be harder. So what are we laying up that'll help? Amen? What are we doing today that will help? I think that's something we need to start asking the Lord.